Welcome to another exciting episode of Mission Compliance, Unleashing Growth Potential for Defense Contractors. In this episode, we're exploring the cri a critical aspect that underpins the security and integrity of defense organizations, the evolving role of compliance officers in cyber and information security. As cyber threats continue to evolve at a, at a rapid pace, compliance professionals in the defense sector find themselves at the forefront of safeguarding sensitive information and mitigating risks. We'll take an in-depth look at how these professionals are proactively managing cyber and information security risk, staying ahead of emerging threats, and integrating security practices into all aspects of their business processes. If you're a compliance professional, a cybersecurity enthusiast, or simply interested in, in the crucial link between compliance and information security, th this episode is a must-listen. Stay tuned and gain practical advice and fresh perspective on navigating the dynamic world of cyber and information security in the defense set in the defense sector. Roll that intro music. We're joined once again by Mike Frieder, uh, president of On Call Compliance Solutions and a CMC registered assessor, professional assessor. So, so Mike, first of all, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Hey, I'm doing fantastic, Roman. How about you? Really good. We got a good topic today and I'm excited to dig into it. So let's do that. So Thank Mike, you. as I said, today we're we're talking about on-call specialty, compliance. Compliance officers are the unsung heroes of the defense industry. They're, they're, they're responsible for keeping everything on track to help contractors avoid the pitfalls and penalties of non-compliance. How does the role of the compliance officer in the defense industry or how has it evolved in response to the ever-changing landscape of cyber and information security threats? Yeah, great question, Roman. You know, I think um, compliance officers are a position that I find very interesting. You find them in larger companies, say traditionally 500 employees or above, and you don't find them in smaller companies. And what's interesting is all companies uh, typically carry a compliance mandate. And I think that that's sort of, um, I think that alone is sort of an interesting fact, um, you know, and, and I think one of the reasons why at OnCall we started our virtual compliance officer service is a very, very cost-effective way of providing the services of a compliance officer at scale. Uh, and when I say at scale, I don't mean for like large enterprise companies, although we oftentimes, those, those are our biggest clients. Uh, but but also for the really small clients, one and two person organizations, 25 person less organizations and, and 100 person less organizations, um, you know, I would tell you that we have an, an equal quantity mix of both enterprise and small businesses. So I think the, the number one thing that's evolved is that if you just had one compliance standard, like an ISO or an AS9100 that you had to comply with for quality, you could probably get away without having a compliance officer. When you bring in all of the regulations that are required with DFARS and NIST, uh, you know, and, and the upcoming CMMC, this becomes a full-time job. I mean, there's no doubt about it. At the very minimum, it becomes a part-time job, and there's a lot to keep up with. I mean, there's 110 different compliance controls, and the reality is, is that there isn't a very good point person for all of this. Here's a great example. Uh, you are required in NIST SP 800-171 to perform training to make sure the training happens, to get training out to your people. And IT directors 
don't do that. That's not their job. Their job is to keep the system running and put out the fires and, and, and obviously take care of cybersecurity and a million other hats. And I'll tell you that training is the farthest one from them. And yet training comprises at least an entire control family, if not more. And it's vital to all of the control families. And without constant reinforcement and someone watching over this, it will be ignored. Um, that's a fact. I think a lot of people are sort of afraid to put that out there, but the reality is it will be ignored. There's no question. So what you have is you have a new necessity for a new position in companies that otherwise usually don't budget for these kinds of things. So the first thing is, I think that since NIST came out in 2017, there's a genuine need even for small businesses to have either a part-time position or a fractional service like we offer for a compliance officer purely dedicated to their defense mandates. You just can't do it without it. The CEO is a busy guy or girl. They're focused on selling revenue, cash flow, et cetera. They're not going to pay attention to compliance. It's not, it just compliance in some in some companies almost fights cash flow if it's not administratively um, sort of uh, you know implemented correctly, I guess is the best the best phraseology there. You know, if you don't if if you're not careful, compliance can really stymie productivity when it's not implemented correctly. And it can really kill cash flow if you wind up in a penalty over it. Um, and again, there is stepped up enforcement over cybersecurity big time. Uh, you know, we just went through, uh, you know, just to give you a time marker, we just went through the big MGM ransomware hits and uh, what a mess that created. So, um, you know, I, I think Roman, the answer is number one, it's, it's really made it go from non-existent, a, a lack of need, to there's no way that you could possibly keep up with uh, all of DFARS, NIST, and, and CMMC without someone at least part-time on staff. And boy, if you've got multiple compliance standards that you're keeping up with, uh, there's no way you're not doing it without, you know, again, some kind of fractional service like we offer, which is the most cost-effective way, or hiring someone in-house to watch over this stuff. Now, the good news is, is that compliance officers are worth their weight in gold. It's kind of like an accountant or an attorney. Uh, you can really leverage their time to create intense value. How do you do that? Have your compliance officer work with your sales team. This is another thing that I just, oh my gosh, we train our clients on this and it opens their eyes uh, in, in amazing ways because there's so many people that need compliant contractors and companies to work with and they can't find them. So what happens is uh, we teach our compliance officers to work with sales teams to educate the sales teams about all the compliance that they've achieved and to push compliance as a unique selling proposition to really move the marker forward in your favor when it comes to reasons why people should work with you. So a lot of big differences. And you're right, that is a really great topic and a great question. Yeah, you know, compliance is is vital. Some, some companies don't even realize it. You know, as I said in the intro, at on call that is our specialty if you're watching us on youtube you can see it right here on the background behind me it's 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 right there somewhere i don't know where i'm pointing but it's right there behind <laughs> me it says compliance on the wall there so so it is of vital importance for companies that want to get in the defense industry and so so let's keep the conversation going this is a great topic um, in a world of cyber threats and, and additional security issues, defense contractors can 
can get ahead of of the game by keeping an eye on potential risks. So that with that being said, how can compliance professionals take a proactive approach to identifying and mitigating cyber risks before they escalate into potential security breaches? Um, yeah, absolutely. Do me a favor, read it one more time. I want to make sure I capture everything in the question. Yeah, that was quite a wordy question. My uh, my apologies. <laughs> I know my third <laughs> grade education was... isn't serving me well here. The, the question was, how can compliance professionals take a proactive approach to identifying and mitigating cyber risks before they escalate into potential security breaches? Yeah, so that's a great question. I want to make sure I heard that correctly. You know, I think one of the things to understand is that NIST literally provides a framework answer to that. Um, it starts with incident response, uh, and the incident response will trigger off a series of reactions and actions from appropriate personnel, one of which is the compliance officer, to make sure that when something happens, uh, you know, there is a proactive response, or more importantly, that you have systems in place ahead of time to make sure that you can detect when issues are occurring or breaches are happening so that you can be proactive in preventing further damage, uh, which is a major catastrophic issue. Uh, so yes, I think um, you know when it comes to how the compliance officers sort of play that role, their role is to enforce within the organization those proactive measures that reduce risk. And again, one of the things that companies really have to they, you know, again, larger companies really get this, smaller companies have no idea, but when those big, giant, scary events happen, um, you wish that you had had the foresight before, and that's what a compliance officer does. Second thing is a compliance officer is a huge shield for the rest of the organization. They're the ones that are working with the sales team to deal with all of the crazy legal questionnaires and, um, you know, things that the uh, your your vendors and your clients are are requiring of you, they're the ones there to make it so that sales roll through smoother, more cash flow because you know these things get signed quicker because there's someone right there to review this documentation. Uh, and again, it's just sort of one of those interesting pivot points when you go from being a small business to a more mid-sized business, you're going to need a compliance officer. Now, if you're still a small business and you're thinking, well, that's great, this is irrelevant to me, uh, I'd say, no, absolutely not. This is something that we have a whole team of people at OnCall. We will review your contracts. We will look over the clauses. We will do all of those things for you. And I think that is the evolved role of the fractional compliance officer. You may not need that person every day, but you may need them for 10, 20 hours a month. And it's something that's really cool that we offer. I think we're the only company uh, offering that to the defense industrial base. And again, it's a it's just an amazing service that achieves efficiency and incredible, incredible um, you know, results for our clients. Again, not only are we stopping those heavy duty penalties and fines, but we are also in a situation where we're pushing forward and reinforcing, uh, you know, getting things like plan of action with milestone items solved and making you reach full compliance faster and then maintaining that. Um, I'll give another example from a very large company that we've worked with before. Uh, they have many, many multiple legal entities involved. Um, you know, they've got a very complex infrastructure. And to be really honest with you, uh, their different legal entities don't have good communication between each other. They just don't. Um, and so one of the things that we do in our virtual compliance officer service for them is we coordinate all those different entities. We are the central point person. And sometimes when you have an abstract subject like compliance that essentially 
crosses the lines in a company. And what I mean by that is your IT director is not going to do training and your IT director is definitely not going to do legal review. And your IT director is definitely not going to do physical premise security. Maybe they have a little hand in it, but probably not. And so those are different departments with different accountability hosts, right? Like they're, you know, different bosses, if you will. And so particularly when you get to be a very large company, you must have a coordinating person between departments and legal entities. And that's another thing that, you know, it's easier for us to do, way less expensive for us to do as an outsourced solution who's authoritative as your compliance officer, uh, as opposed to trying to do that in-house. And finally, I think it's also one of those things, and this is a very overlooked point, a lot of times people overlook the value and authority of an outside consultant versus an inside personnel. There was a, a lesson I learned from one of our clients many years ago about being a consultant in general. Sometimes it's really tough to have an inside person uh, or an employee do the role of being a consultant, right? And so that's that's another kind of reason why we run our virtual compliance officer service the way we do is because uh, the lesson that I learned is uh, we had an IT director, you know, bring us in for a, a consultation and they really had their stuff together. I mean, they did. And so I sort of said to this guy, I said, look, I think you have your stuff together really well. And he said, yeah, but here's the problem. They don't listen to me. And the reason they don't listen to me is because I drive to work every day in a car and they're going to listen to you. And the reason is because they paid a boatload of money to get you here and you showed up to work in an airplane. And at the end of the day, that's more authoritative than it is to be an inside employee here that they have to deal with for a range of issues you're here for one purpose and that's to get us compliant and that's what we need. And I think that may be a, a really good summation of uh, you know, why as a virtual compliance officer, we have the ability to move an organization along way faster on their journey to compliance than any internal employee possibly can. Right, you know, you mentioned the, you know, we've mentioned all, all these controls that compliance officers have to deal with and this kind of stuff, but we at OnCall are here to help you mentioned that there are entire control families mixed up in this about security and that kind of thing. So if you happen to be out there and you're watching this on YouTube, if you can see us right now, you're already on our YouTube channel. On our YouTube channel, we have videos breaking down singular controls like this to help to help compliance officers out there to, to make it a little bit easier. So if you're watching us on YouTube, there's that suggestion box somewhere right here. I got to stop pointing on this thing because I never know where I'm pointing. But wherever you get your, your watch next, you might see Mike's face right there. Check out some of those short videos, four or five minute videos that break some of the stuff down, make it really easy for, for, for those compliance officers. And, and we try to help as much as we can. So, cause, cause this compliance thing can be a doozy sometimes. Uh, <laughs> All the time. In our previous episode, we explored the reality of remote work and potential security risks that come with it. It, in a world of remote work that we live in now and and distributed teams all around the country or wherever they might be working from, how do compliance officers ensure consistent implementation of security measures across all locations and departments? Well, that's a good question. Um, you know, interestingly, uh, we're a little bit lucky because we have a compliance standard, um, right? I mean, this dictates exactly how to do the implementation um, and I think that, again, uh, you know, that's where the compliance officer's job is. Their job is to oversee the consistent application of compliance throughout the organization. And I think that that's one thing that uh, is so often misunderstood 
again, the CEO thinks that the IT director can just sort of handle this extra task. This extra task, just to give you an idea, it takes hundreds, even thousands of pages just to understand it. The assessment guide alone is several hundred pages. So, you know, I, I think that is probably one of the biggest misunderstandings is just how big this load is to properly implement compliance and to get it to be applied consistently. I think without some sort of at least a partial uh, authoritative fractional person managing compliance, and that's their singular sole function, I don't know if it can really be applied uh, equally across the organization. You know, and that's at a minimum. That's if you don't have a part-time or full-time compliance officer. So I think that's definitely a, a very significant challenge. And I think that, uh, you know, as far as implementing it, you know, universally, I'll tell you, this is another thing that I kind of look at it and I go, well, you know, is it better to do it internally or externally? And the reality, in my opinion, is I think doing it externally with certified experts is, is much better. Um, there are only 143 CMMC certified assessors that I know of. We are the only one in a company that is solely focused on the preparation side and not on the assessment side. Um, we simply have expertise that is unusual, in-depth, and highly applicable to anyone who has to be compliant with this stuff. And so as a result, you just, you know, I, I think ultimately we've made it cost-effective. We've built a big team here. This is the type of thing that is, that's what you want to look for when you're outsourcing something. You know, I'll give you a great example, right? We outsource part of our accounting you know, in bookkeeping functions. I don't want a bunch of accountants in this company. I don't need them, right? I need I need one core person to oversee to make sure the work is going well and, you know, to, to sort of act as a, um, you know, as a verification instrument. But beyond that, let me tell you what, nope, my company does IT, right? Your company might do like defense part manufacturing, uh, stick to what you're good at and outsource the rest. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a boat, you know, it might be better to rent that thing while you need it. Uh, so, I think in that regard, um, it is challenging to take a standard and correctly implement it and make sure that's done universally. And, um, you know, I, I, again, just sort of point to the value of having a compliance officer on staff who has that neutral point of view on compliance to say, you know, yeah, we're doing this correctly in all areas. Absolutely. That's a great question. You know, consistency is key, right? Because if you're found to not be compliant, um, you know, that's when we start getting in a false claim territory and some really nasty penalties. So we don't want to kind of fudge a control. We want someone who's going to hold our feet to the fire. And you're right. This has been a, a particularly good topic for, for compliance officers and, and IT people and whatever. In future episodes, we will be breaking down some of those individual controls to try to help uh defense contractors just make it a little bit easier so keep an eye out for that on future episodes where we where we start breaking stuff down a little bit more the last few episodes we've we've done you know overreaching topics but we're we're going to change things up a little bit and just get a little bit drilled down a little bit more so stay tuned for that yeah now it's time for what we all know to be the most fun part of this podcast uh where we, we we take all the information that we just garnered and we turn it we turn it around with, with a little bit of a silly question silly questions prompt silly answers but that doesn't mean they can't be relevant so today so today's question is do compliance officers have like a secret vault filled with virtual locks and keys to protect classified information yeah so um 
you know, I'll be careful about my wording because uh, we'll talk about classified information. You know, we're dealing with controlled unclassified information. So the simple answer is no, because we don't want any classified information. Uh, but in, in all reality, you know, every compliance officer sort of has what I would consider to be their, their, uh, their guidebook, right? So, you know, in our case, the guidebook, uh, a lot of it is driven by NIST 800-171A. That's the assessment guide. And uh, I think that, you know, for us is something that is definitely uh, a major, major tool that we use, um, you know, and, and of course, you know, obviously when it comes to password vaults and things like that, I'll sort of leave that up in the air. Uh, every, everybody has a different uh, method of managing that kind of thing. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, do we have a secret vault? I think the answer is the real secret vault winds up being, you know, some of the connections that we have and the people that we know. For instance, you know, we've been in contact and are regularly in contact with people from the Cyber AB. Uh, we existed a long time before the Cyber AB existed. We have some very unique enduring exceptions on how we do business from them. Uh, a great example of that is we're the only authorized uh, CMMC certified uh, group that has an enduring exception to offer a money back guarantee. That's, you know, it's, it's something that I, I, I was talking with the executive director, the first executive director of the Cyber AB, uh, along with the education director, and I, I demanded to them, I said, listen, I've been offering a money-back guarantee on services since 2003, a long time before this thing ever got thought of. I think that the idea that you can't offer a money-back guarantee in your code of ethics is strange. I think that that's garbage. I think at the end of the day, I understand why you've done it, because um, it's up to the end organization, the client, to actually become compliant. We're just advisors. But the reality is if someone doesn't think that we delivered what we said we would deliver, I think we should just give them their money back and we should go about our separate ways. And I don't think anybody should ever take a risk uh, or spend a penny uh, at risk to work with us and find out if we're any good. Um, having really at this point, frankly, worked with thousands and thousands of organizations, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of defense contractors, um, I don't have a concern anymore about whether or not our product and service is good. I know it's the best one out there, but you know, for anyone who's never worked with us before, they haven't experienced that. It's something you have to just experience to understand why our methodologies and our people are so amazing. Uh, and we just don't think it's appropriate to put the money at risk. I don't need the money that bad. You know, we've got a great operation going here out of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of consultations. We have never once at all, even come close to having someone ask for their money back. I'm sure it'll happen one day, uh, but you know, from a realistic perspective, the bottom line is we deliver. And I think that that's another one of our, our little secrets that we lock away in our vault. Maybe I just gave it away, but I just don't think you should ever have to risk money to find out if a service provider is any good. And you know, frankly, we try to work with service providers that have that kind of a guarantee. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign of how competent you are. And to me, I think that's a really big deal. And I think people ought to know that about, about on-call and what we do here because um, it is one of one. It, it is the only one in the industry. It is the only one in the industry that has that enduring exception. Uh, and, and frankly, I think that makes us the only safe bet to go with when it comes to getting compliant. Anyone else won't give you their money back, you know, won't give you your money back if they fail to, you know, help you accomplish your compliance goals. And I feel really, uh, I feel like that is definitely, you know, one of our, 
one of our vaulted secrets, if you will, that uh, maybe is not so secret, right? You know, I think I think that's a minimum litmus test, uh, and we've been able to explain that to the cyber AB, uh, get that exception in writing, and, uh, and be able to continue on in that realm. So we're really quite proud of that. And I think that again, I won't give away all of our secrets, but there's definitely a vault of secrets, uh, a vault of competitive selling propositions. Um, you know, our past performance. Our book of hundreds of past uh, satisfied clients, a lot of which we have on video, um, you know, we're part of a multi-billion-dollar NASA contract. So we're we're in the defense contracting game as well. And we don't really pursue the contracts. That's that's for our clients to do. But uh, we've passed all the vetting. We are a vetted defense contractor. So look, throw us on your contract, and it's just going to look great for past performance on you. You know, maybe you haven't won a $4 billion NASA contract, but you can definitely hire us and we have, and that's a pretty incredible intense partner to go with. So there's some really cool stuff that we do that I think really warrants, um, you know, our secrets. And as far as the compliance officer stuff, I mean, maybe that's another one that goes in the vault, right? There is no other company that offers a virtual compliance officer service in the way that we do it. There's there's no other service like it. There, there's not even... It's just not apples to apples, right? We have managed compliance for so many companies. We figured out what the DNA is of doing the perfect job. We melted it down. And then we figured out how to deliver it in volume and deliver it with high quality and deliver it most importantly at a very affordable price at any scale enterprise. Whether you have one person or whether you have 70,000 plus employees, we've done virtual compliance officer for both. We know what the ins and outs are. We know what the price points are that make it an absolute no brainer that you would feel dumb saying no to. Uh, and I think that's, you know, again, another another big aspect of what we do is, you know, we don't offer products and solutions that we don't look at ourselves and go, they're dumb for saying no to that, right? That makes it such an easy decision for you, the client, to go, yeah, like this is a no-brainer for my business problem. These are clearly the guys to go to and they have it together. And I think it's not always easy. There are a lot of products and services that we had to torpedo because, you know, they just didn't have that kind of value that was offered. And so we had to go back to the drawing board and say, this doesn't work, right? Or or maybe it works, but like, we've got to go look at the value proposition because again, if the one thing that I'll tell you is we have an extremely, extremely high close rate uh, in our sales department, right? So again, not to really jump super into sales, but just to sort of give you a clue the only way you start getting 80 plus percent close rates is if what you're offering is at a more than fair price, delivers above average value, and has evidence that the quality is going to be off the charts. And, and that's what we do. And it's what we're absolutely obsessed with. And I think that's another thing that we keep in our vault. You know, the DNA of how on calls made and how we've achieved such extreme success uh, in such a really relatively short period of time in the defense industry. Uh, and we love teaching that to our clients. Man, it's like my favorite thing. You know, there's there's definitely some some Mike Frieder DNA in every one of these consultations that happens, even though we've got big teams now. And uh, I think it's just something that our clients truly benefit from in a way that uh, you're just not going to find another service provider. So great question. Great, great, silly question. Oh, absolutely. See, I told you it's it just because it's silly doesn't mean it's irrelevant. Uh, <laughs> and on that note. That wraps up another great episode of Mission Compliance. We hope our discussion today has provided you with valuable insights, practical strategies, and inspiration to navigate the ever-evolving world of defense. We'd like to once again extend our appreciation to Mike for sharing his expertise and experience with us. Thanks, Mike. Hey, always a pleasure, Roman.
But the conversation doesn't end here. We encourage you to continue exploring these topics and connect with our social media channels. Share your thoughts, ask questions, and engage with fellow listeners by using the hashtag Mission Compliance Podcast. If you haven't already, what should they do, Mike? Like, subscribe, and follow us on social media. And that is how you will know when new episodes like this one are released. We'd appreciate it if you could, like Mike said, rate and review the show. Your feedback helps us bring you thought-provoking episodes and high-quality content. Join us again for the next episode of Mission Compliance as we delve further into the dynamic world of defense, security, and industry innovation. Until then, take care, stay informed, and make compliance your mission. See you next time. Thanks, everybody.